0: This is Michael Osterlink, and we have another episode of Fine Wisdom, that's hashtag Fine, F-E-I-N, Wisdom, with Bruce Fine, constitutional scholar. Afternoon, Bruce. Nice to be with you again, Michael. It's good to see you. So, we fought, as in the United States, the Americans, uh, a war against the British for our independence. Uh, We have a long list of grievances against the crown and the king, and fortunately for us, we won, and... As a result, we should be living in the freest, uh, most moral country in the world. If you go back to what our founding fathers wanted us to, how how they wanted us to consider the form of government, the limits on government, and us as citizens, how we should be engaged in the world. And it seems to me that we've come full circle, that uh, although we don't have a king per se, we have an executive with almost unlimited powers. And it seems kind of sad uh, where where we could have where we started from where we could have gone to, but mm-hmm. where we are today. Can you speak to this full circle, where we are today, and where our leaders are taking us into uh, the near uh, future?
1: Uh, yes, uh, Michael. I, I want to preface my remarks, however, by acknowledging that despite <coughs> the greatness of our founding fathers and and devotion to liberty being sort of the center of our of our national constitutional universe, there were warts. I mean, we have to acknowledge there was slavery. Uh, women were treated like chattels. Uh, religious minorities uh, did not prosper. Uh, but they set in train a philosophy whose ultimate blossoming naturally led to, I think, the, the progress that we've made in bringing everyone into our political dispensation and uh, gradually ended the caste-like uh, handicaps uh, that prevented various groups for. I think, uh, invidious reasons from having a full opportunity to develop their faculties and to succeed. But despite the the actual uh, uh, warts, if you will, on the system, the philosophy, uh, the ideal remained, I think, absolutely critical uh, to distinguishing ourselves from every other nation on Earth. And if we think about where we started, Namely that we're all born with unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness and that the purpose of government, the purpose is to secure those rights and government without the consent of the governed, government without the people knowing what their government is doing is illegitimate and we have a duty, not a right, a duty to overthrow governments that encroach upon these liberties and rights and abandon the idea that the individual is the center of the universe to no, the state. Empire is the center of the universe. We want to emulate pharaohs, build pyramids, You know, bestride the world like a colossus. And I think what uh, can bring home to the listener here uh, the transformation of the United States political culture is an examination of all the, the presidential aspirants Um, for 2016 that are regularly featured in the news except for Rand Paul the only one who really understands and got instinctive uh, attachments to the founding fathers philosophy that all of them whether it's Hillary Clinton or Jeb Bush or Ted Cruz or Chris Christie or Scott Walker you name them all they're all devoted to a theory of government a theory of power and empire that would have placed them on the side of King George III, General Gates, at the Battle of Bunker Hill, uh, shooting at our Minutemen at Lexington and Concord at the time of the founding. Because if you look at their theory of government, power, the supremacy of the military over the civilian, bigger and bigger defense budgets, anything that moves abroad, we should have an army, we should have a navy. We should have our Air Force. The The uh, military-industrial complex is to be praised. There's to be no accountability whatsoever. Uh, no matter what the military strategy, no matter how uh, obviously failed and deficient it is, we keep throwing more and more money after the military, just like the British did uh, with regard to the Revolutionary War, which they ultimately lost. And their idea that safety... Diminishing the risk to zero is the goal of government. Liberty becomes the stepchild of the government. So we no longer have due process of law. We detain without trial. We kill with predator drones without any due process whatsoever. We spy on Americans without warrants, without probable cause. All 320 million are potential traitors. All that kind of attitude is totally, it would have been shocking to the Founding Fathers. After all, the spark of the American Revolution was the right to be let alone. The protest against general writs of assistance were endowing every petty British official with right to rummage through businesses and homes looking for contraband or other things. That was the spark of the Revolution. This idea that was captured in William Pitt the Elder's Address to Parliament in 1763. The poorest man in his cottage may bid defiance to all the forces of the Crown. Its roof may shake, it may be frail, the storms may enter, the winds may blow through it, the rains may enter, but the King of England cannot enter. All his forces dare not cross the threshold of the ruined tenement. That was the spirit of the founding generation. And now, my gosh, the government is such a leviathan. It is so huge. Four trillion dollars. were everywhere on the planet fighting on behalf of purportedly Afghanis, Yemenis, Iraqis, Nigerians, Libyans, everyone, but defending ourselves, uh, which is what we ought to be doing. And with regard to the executive power, I mean, the president goes to war on his own. He kills American citizens with predator drones on his own. He spies on us on our own. He keeps his elements and his his activities secret on his own. He tells the Congress when they can issue reports like the Senate Intelligence Committee on his own. He decides which laws he wants to enforce with signing statements or with regard to prosecutorial discretion. He'll decide he doesn't want to enforce certain parts of the immigration laws. You're out of that. He doesn't want to enforce some of the laws against torture. Forget those laws against torture. All of these aspects of, of, of authority have now concentrated itself in the executive, far more than King George Third had. Far more than King George III had. And I, again, go back. And this is not a caricature. Our leadership here would have been traitors, to the American Revolution. There's not a shadow of a doubt with their idea of government, their scorn for individual liberty, uh, their desire for world conquest, they would have fought for King George Third and picked up their bayonets and shot at the, men, at, at, at the Minutemen at Lexington and Congress. That is how shocking we have come as a nation. Other than Rand Paul is the only one who's got a philosophy and an understanding of what our true national identity is that can take our trajectory back towards the founding generation.
0: Why do you think uh, Senator Paul stands out among all the others as someone who, you say, understands the Constitution, the Founding Fathers' vision for the country? Um, Why do you think he holds that? And is he expressing it as completely as you would wish to see expressed in his policy prescriptions?
1: Well, you know, I, I'm not a psychologist. You know, you probably maybe <laughs> could get into somebody's head. Uh, you know, it explained background, there are all sorts of elements, obviously. You know, he was raised in a family where his father, Ron Paul, was uh, in the house and sp- spoke about uh, the, uh, the need for the United States to curtail, uh, consistent with the Constitution, its efforts to govern the entire world. I think also his general philosophy, Uh, of liberty uh, being essential to our national identity is what leads him there. After all, as Alex de Tocqueville, early on, said that those who would destroy the liberties of a democratic nation ought to know that the surest and shortest way to accomplish it is through war, Uh, because war basically legalizes what's ordinarily murder. When you're at war the law is silent and your liberties are crushed in times of war, and Rand Paul understands that. The other thing I think that's unique about Rand is he's not pretentious. He's very modest. He's firm but self-effacing. He doesn't get gratification out of thinking, "Wow, I can build you know a pyramid bigger than the pharaohs." You know <laughs> how great that would be. So he's understand. You know, and I think he connects better than all the other candidates to a uh, you know a more youthful audience that isn't infatuated and craving uh, uh, marching. Uh, uh, through the, the streets of Yemen or Syria or whatever, trying to tell other people you know, how they ought to live their lives. Uh, and how well does he articulate this? I think that he's running for office. I'm not. I can speak like a philosopher. Uh, but I think on the whole that he does an excellent job in explaining that our identity is liberty. Our identity is not conquest. And that's a hard concept, uh, Michael, to communicate. Because I believe that in the DNA of the species, it's not limited to Americans, it's been there all time, is this primal craving, if you will, to dominate and control just for its own sake. Sometimes it involves war, sometimes it's smaller areas of of life or, or conflict. And for that reason, there are many, many in the United States, maybe a majority now, who believe that our greatness as a nation means to stand up and say we're number one. You know, like we're a football team who can beat the opposition. That's not what politics is about. It's not about being number one. It's making sure that your nation, Offers the greatest opportunities to its citizens who pay the taxes, who obey the laws, who fight for the country, to develop their faculties and ensure that they are morally accountable for their destiny. And to the extent that our example influences others, that's fine. But you know, that's not our mission to save other people and tell them how to live their lives. That's their mission. And it's not because we're callous, it's because we recognize in the effort itself. To go abroad in search of monsters to destroy, it necessarily requires a centralization of power in the executive that destroys our own country. That has happened to all previous empires, there have been 72, and we need to step back from the precipice, and Rand is the one to take us there and say, wait a minute. You know, our greatness is not telling Yemenis you know, how they ought to evolve. Our greatness is trying to ensure that in the United States of America, Liberty prospers, and everybody has a fair opportunity by their own skill, foresight, and industry to succeed. So between ashes to ashes and dust to dust, they can say, I am morally accountable for my destiny. The government didn't rig it in my favor or against me, and that's the pride and dignity of the United States.
0: Thank you, Bruce.